Okay, it's time to bring in our discussion guests and let's say a very good morning to Andrew Ferris, who is CEO of Ecognosis Advisory. Uh, good morning, Andrew. How are you? Very well indeed. Thank you for pronouncing it right. I even, I'm just getting, get just about to get used to it. Thank you. I think it's about my fourth attempt at it. There you go. Um, also, let's say a good morning and hello to uh, Shark Zia, uh, Asia Chief Economist at BVA uh, Research. How are you, Shark? I'm doing fine. Nice to have you on the show again, and uh, we're at the end of another week of uh, ups and downs of interest rates and uh, lots of focus on the banks. What has been uh, your highlight, would you say, so far uh, this week, Shark? Yeah, I've been watching for this uh, bank problem in United States and also in, in Europe, okay? Uh, but very interesting. I think uh, over the past week, I changed my idea several times because uh, uh, many people think this uh, the entire banking industry, they are in trouble because uh, the regulators uh, and uh, the, the monetary policy makers, they have to change this uh, monetary policy uh, uh, over, substantially over the past year. So that's created a lot of trouble for this asset uh, liability management uh, for the banks in the United States and in Europe. And now we have seen one uh, global uh, uh, global systemic important bank, uh, Credit Suisse. Now, they, they have been merged by UBS under the intervention of uh, Swiss government. So people tend to believe this uh, big trouble for the entire uh, banking industry around the world. But some people hold other ideas. As you said, some uh, bankers, they think, uh, at least in the United States, the banking industry still look in good shape. And... Uh, uh, but I have been thinking about this one. Uh, now I have some kind of uh, uh, preliminary conclusion. Uh, if you look at uh, these individual banks, for most of the important big banks uh, in Europe and the United States, the crisis visa is a longer, a longer time issue. Uh, but for other ones, I think that they are okay. But the problem is uh, the financial industry, now they are under this uh, systemic challenge under this kind of uh, mm. dramatic policy change. Yeah. Andrew, is it, has it been a good week uh, for, for the banks or a bad week uh, overall? What, where, where, do we, where do we think overall we are? Actually, I'm afraid it has been a great week for me because uh, I'm afraid my conclusions were almost immediately within three days of this is happening. This is not a banking crisis. Remember, years back, I refused to accept the famous Asian financial crisis. It was neither Asian nor financial and not a crisis. Okay. So this one is not a banking crisis for a very simple reason. Let's take the three banks that are in our, in our, in our, in our radar screen. Okay. Uh, the Swiss bank, okay, Credit Suisse, has been in problems for nearly a decade none of which were necessarily assets and liability problems. There were management problems, there were scandals, there were uh, 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 sort of money laundering, in addition to a continuous changes of direction. So the bank finally grieved down, okay, not because its assets, it's not much its liabilities, but it's cause, because primarily its depositors lost faith. It has nothing to do with the banking crisis. The SVP is a bank of 200 million. It is so small in American standards that it needs to have been 250 million for most of its deposits to have been covered by a kind of an insurance policy. Okay, it was a very small bank. Mm. So, but, but upstairs, too bad. And finally, the First Republican Bank 
take your breath, take a deep breath. 75% of its deposits were not insured. So no wonder in the middle of all this, the deposit was left. Okay, so this has nothing to do with a banking crisis style of 08 in which practically everybody has got money owed by somebody else and they are worried about getting it. Three banks, great. I'm going to bed now. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> so uh, Janet Yellen, I guess, uh, trying to keep the crisis in a box, so to speak. Um, is that, uh, Shark, is that something that you would agree with? It's, uh, it's a smaller crisis. It's nothing like the 2008 crisis. Yeah, on this point, I agree with uh, Jantin Yellen. I, I agree, fully agree with uh, Andrew. This is not uh, comparable to this uh, crisis in 2008. It's not comparable to maybe uh, 1998. Uh, but my point is, uh, uh, now after this uh, monetary policy dramatic change, the old, uh, especially in the United States, because in the United States, Fed already started this kind of uh, balance sheet reduction process. It has been uh, for, uh, going on for a while. So what I mean is, uh, if you look at all these banks, uh, systematically, they are facing the challenge on this uh, liquidity management. Of course, for these uh, big banks, they are easy to meet their uh, liquidity uh, demand. But for smaller banks, we have seen the case of the SVB. We have the scenes of this uh, case of this uh, First Republic. So I- I'm sure uh, maybe we shouldn't be that that complacent. Okay, it's not a banking big banking crisis like before, but I think they could create a lot of the trouble at this moment. Especially nowadays, uh, this information uh, diffuses very fast. Right? Uh, on the Twitter, you can post something and get people nervous and people they maybe try to uh, withdraw the money from the bank. Then that's enough. If everyone withdraws the money from one bank, the, the bank even, they are in good shape before, but now if, if everyone withdraws the money, they are going to, uh, they are going to be ran. So that's my point. So, uh, we hmm. should be very careful because I also for the policymakers to manage this kind of the problem because uh, uh, in addition to these big banks in the United States, there are more than 4,000 smaller banks. Mm. Yeah. Um, inflation has been seen perhaps by the Americans as being just an American problem. But obviously, this is not the case. And we've seen the Bank of England uh, push up interest rates uh, overnight as well, and the Norwegian Central Bank and the Swiss uh, Bank as well. Um, Andrew, that inflation uh, around the world, do you think it's worse in Europe? You're actually in London at the moment. Are, are you feeling the vibes from the, the, from the high inflation uh, in the UK? Well, uh, y- yes, to the extent that uh, we were occasionally shocked by the speed by which some household items went up. But I'm afraid uh, anecdotological evidence is, is completely useless here. Let me take another deep breath and tell you, inflation is not a global problem. Oh, please, God, it is not a global problem. It's not a problem in China. It isn't. The Chinese aren't particularly concerned about uh, 2.1 or 2.3% in inflation. It is not a problem in Japan. They didn't have enough. They were for years trying to get more inflation. So two of the four biggest economies in the world didn't have an inflation problem. Well, the other two did, and that was the European Union and the United States. So, you know, there is all this tendency to Americanize. If they have an inflation problem, we have an inflation problem. No, we don't. In the case of UK, it is. And I can tell you, my household bills, you know, the place where I was, uh, I'm staying, the, the utility bills have gone really very sharply up. Okay, but then the government is subsidizing it partially. 
So, yes, you do have occasionally tactile inflation as opposed to simply looking, looking at the numbers. But from that, for me to extrapolate that this is a global problem, no, absolutely not. Um, looking over the border, Shark, you know, Andrew's point is a good one. And China inflation, what, what are your thoughts on that and, and Japan inflation? Yeah, I think that for this inflation story, not only for China and Japan, even for uh, other Southeast Asia countries, their inflation is uh, relatively milder than, than the United States and then Europe. I think in particularly in for Chinese case, uh, it's related to Chinese uh, policies uh, during the pandemic because uh, China, they didn't subsidize the household sector. <laughs> they directly put money into the uh, corporate sector. So that's why the supply side has been very, uh, very strong. Even during the pandemic period, when demand is very weak, but the Chinese uh, supply side appear to be very strong. They provide enough uh, products uh, so that's why we have seen uh, the Chinese uh, uh, inflation has been relatively stable. Uh, for Japan, I think that we have seen Japan's inflation pick up uh, compared to the uh, pre-pandemic period, but still under control. I think that's a long-term issue. Uh, in, in some, I think uh, uh, both China and Japan, they all have this uh, uh, issue of a weak domestic demand. So that's why they tend to have a, a good inflation figures for the moment. Yeah, so go on. May I jump very quickly mm. here? Even in the case of Japan, where they were aiming for 2% and they got suddenly they got 4 5%, they rushed to point out that this is on a low base effect. In other words, they are already forecasting inflation back to about 2% or less next year, despite the fact that they had this sub, uh, let's say, temporary rise. Let's have a very quick look ahead to next week. It is Friday. Um, Shark, just very quickly, what, what are your thoughts about the week ahead? What are, what are you looking for? Are we going to have more of the same, do you think? More banking stuff? Uh, I'm afraid so, <laughs> because I think uh, they, they didn't solve the problem. So people's uh, fears are still there. And maybe we will see more smaller banks uh, that are in trouble. Uh, I don't think uh, this uh, policy meeting this week, they can... Uh, assure people uh, that their banking industry is in good shape. We are going to see more uh, up and downs for the banking industry. But that's good opportunity for Andrew to make his money. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew, what are you what are you looking for for the week ahead? Well, what are you seeing? Uh, well, first, to make some money, you have to have some. So unfortunately, <laughs> even if the opportunities are very good, I don't have any money to make money. Uh, what I'm looking, I'm looking out for, oh, much more, much more longer term issues. I have been spending quite a lot of time, particularly with something that my clients have been asking me. That is, what has happened to the, uh, what has happened to the climate policy? And I'm afraid the window was open and it was thrown out of it. But nobody paid any attention because last year we had the, still the year of the COVID. And this year, okay, we continue to have more important issues, like, for example, the so-called banking crisis. I'm genuinely concerned, okay, that mm. uh, we, have, we have stepped over the mark now. I will be right in something of that, but this is completely useless because this is not something you buy or sell. This is something that usually you commit suicide, okay? Well, let's hope that doesn't happen. Uh, I'd like to say thank you very much to Andrew Freres, uh, CEO of Ecognosis Advisory, and Shark Jha, uh, Asia Chief Economist at BBVA uh, Research. Let's have a quick...